Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of this world's uh, most mediocre podcast, Annoying Question Boy. Uh, as always, it is your boy, Annoying Question Boy, coming at you live and in stereo. Uh, unlike Hannah Baker, however, um, I have not yet decided to kill myself. Can we get a thumbs up in the chat for that? Um, yeah, so, today we are, I actually have notes today, guys, um, today I plan on talking about some common arguments that I see on social media against the Black Lives Matter movement, we'll tackle those quick, um, and then I'm gonna kinda go into this little realm, um, because I wanna send it to my family, of uh, kind of white people explaining the Black Lives Matter movement to very conservative white people and see what I can't accomplish there. Uh, then I'm going to go into a section about what uh, what needs to continue to happen as it stands right now, and then that'll probably be it. But of course, before we do that, everyone uh, on the Annoying Question Boy podcast knows we gotta roll that seven second intro music. Let's get it. Wow, that just was thrilling. And even more thrilling than that, it's actually nine seconds, not seven seconds. So let's talk about it, folks. Uh, yes, so today, like I said, we're going to be talking about common arguments against the Black Lives Matter movement, and on my notes I wrote, and why they're dumb, and then I wrote LOL after that, because, you know, I'm just a a grade A clown. Um, so let's jump right into it. One of the first arguments that I started to see, uh, probably three, four years back when a lot of this stuff, like a lot of people started posting, uh, body cam footage. A lot of people started using Facebook as a means to organize for, um, marches and things like that. Right around Ferguson time is when it started popping up on my timeline, just probably because of the people I was friends with back then versus who I'm friends with now. Um, and one of the common arguments that I saw in a lot of posts as to why things like that happened would be that the police officers were scared for their life. Um, For starters, I mean, I'm going to try to keep this as nice as possible because, again, I plan on sending this to my mom. Um, You can quit. You can quit your job. So that's what I feel like a lot of people don't really make the connection with police officers. The same with military. People feel that positions like that, and politicians as well, people like politicians, police officers, and military personnel are like this, this like tier S of like job, wherein like you, that's like, it embodies who you are as a person. And you kind of remove yourself from yourself and just assume this, like, job as your persona, as who you are as a person. 
which I find is very, very common in a lot of police officers and a lot of military people and a lot of politicians. Politicians, it kind of has to be for them. But they can also quit their job. Um, And I think that's the point that's really necessary to understand. So a lot of people will say things like, well, they chose to be a police officer or they chose to be a politician or they chose to join the military because they wanted to make things better. And I'm not going to sit here and say that that's not true. I mean, I have a a few friends growing up that really wanted to be cops because they thought that if they were a police officer, they would, you know, help change the system from the inside, help the policing within the community that they're a part of be safer and, you know, more justified and things of that nature. Um, And to that, I say, you know, valiant effort, go ahead and quit. Because here's the thing. You are working, and I've, I'm going to keep having to say this every fucking podcast. Oh, there you go. Um, I'm going to have to keep saying this every podcast because it's just not clicking for some people. Not that anyone who it's not clicking for is listening to this podcast, but regardless. Um, so you're working within a broken system. You're working within a system that was from the the first day that this country was deemed a country, um, it was racist. You know, all your founding fathers had slaves. The whole country, really, for, for a majority, there were slaves in every city, things of that nature. And if there weren't slaves, there was at least an assumed idea that people who were not white were lesser than the rest of the population. Now, the fact that that was never really taken out of society since the beginning of this society, of course it is going to be built upon. So what I mean by that is rather than removing these racist ideals from society, we just simply changed the language behind them. So after slavery, they were no longer slaves, they were prisoners. After they were prisoners they, for a while, it was assumed that black people were criminals. Because, of course, and it, it makes, like, the, that's the annoying thing about racism. It, like, makes sense if you look at it historically, why people think the way they do. If every time you walked by a prison field, it was just full of black people, and you're a kid, or even an adult who really doesn't have any true logistical understanding of life... The base assumption you're going to make is because every prison field has a majority of black people in it, that means more black people commit crimes than other people. That makes sense if you look at it from that case. But what you don't understand is black people since day one of, you know, prisons being a thing and mass incarceration were arrested for like the dumbest crimes like loitering really wasn't a big crime in this country until after the civil war when black people would be hanging out in communities where white people were and they didn't want black people there so they would sick the police on them and then people would get lifetime sentences for spending 20 minutes in front of a pharmacy so i mean that leads to just this ideology that black people are criminal um And then from that, now you have to understand that at every level, a new generation, when it's created, 
already has this idea ingrained into them because the generation before them that is lear- you know learning them up believe that so of course they're going to teach them that uh whether that's on purpose or not um to get kind of off the historical side and really into the like society side people who say that cops are scared in you know poor more ethnic filled communities um they should really look at a reason why they think that these cops would be scared so if your entire history as a police force in this country has been based on and you know the foundation has been made on harassing arresting and you know just punishing black bodies or people of color as well um you're going to build a reputation, and that reputation, of course, is going to be prevalent in those communities that you're over-policing. They're going to have these beliefs that are associated with police the same way that police have these associations with people who aren't white. Um, Are they justified? Hell yeah. I mean, again, since police forces really got beefed up in this country after the Civil War, their main goal has been, one, to protect capital, and two, to be racist. And if you don't understand that, I implore you to look at the context in which I'm speaking historically rather than from today's day and age where you believe racism isn't a thing. Um, so, gee, I wonder why they'd be scared. What, what would they have done to cause the community in which they're policing to hate them to the point that they have to be scared for their life? You know, maybe if they just did their jobs properly, you wouldn't have anyone be scared of them. No one, ha- you know, sees a fireman walk into a bar and, you know, puts their hands on the table so, so that the fireman doesn't get any sneaking suspicions. Um, and to go along with this, you have to understand what police officers are being placed in what neighborhoods. So I think this goes well into a transition to why community officers would be more uh, preferred rather than police officers, but we can get there later. Um, You have communities of, you know, for example, like Rome, where Rome is a majority white conservative community in that the voting block that gets the most um, power in in our city is white conservatives, but white conservatives do not make up the majority of the population in the city. They make up a good portion, but I wouldn't say they make up the majority. I don't think upper-class white people really run Rome. Well, they run Rome, New York, but they aren't the majority here. Excuse me. Coffee sip. Sorry if that noise grossed anyone out. I have one person that listens to this all the time and she doesn't like chewing noises. I really hope that sipping noise didn't bother you. I'm so sorry. Um, But you have these neighborhoods that in Rome are the complete opposite of the community in which a lot of these police officers are coming from. Um, And... Uh, deciding whether or not to blow up someone's spot or not. We'll we'll save names. So there's an officer on the force that I'm not going to disclose his name. He has really spiked blonde hair, huge muscles. His brother died, was a hockey player. There you go. If you're from Rome, you know who I'm talking about. Um, 
he is the type of person who grew up in a, and I can say this because I know his family personally, he grew up in a, a predominantly uh, white part of town. He grew up uh, a, a, I would say, Rome upper class, so he had a good portion of money. He was rich in Rome's eyes. Um, and then he becomes a police officer. But now you have to look at the fact that this person is going to be policing communities like the ones over by Denny's. And that's not to shame anyone for living in that area. That's just to simply say that the culture in that area is much different than the culture like by North George Street, where I'm pretty sure he grew up. Um, You have less white people. The white people that you do have are not um, his picture of white people. Um, And now you're going to put him, a police officer who has authority, who has a gun, and who has nerves. You know, he's a human being, of course. He gets nervous. That's, you know, perfectly normal. You're going to put him in a community that he does not recognize, that he does not feel safe in, and that he is the minority in, and expect things to go well? And and that's a, a commonly seen problem, especially in the city. A lot of the city cops are from outside of the city, like where they grow up and then they go to the city to become a cop because like the NYPD is like fetishized when it comes to police officers. Um, and you're putting them in communities in which they don't recognize at all that cause them to feel anxious. And a lot of times in communities that very much hate them simply on sight. Um, sorry, I'm going to sit, but this time I'm going to try not to be so slurpy. Um, and expect them to not fucking just shoot someone. And the way I'm saying, okay, I'm going to take it back a second. The way I'm saying and expect them not to shoot someone, that sounds excusatory towards the police officer. It's not, it's just, I'm saying that it's a really dumb decision made by the police department to put people like that in these communities. That's it. Um, so you... You have to understand that if you're going to police a community, you have to have someone that understands that community policing it. Because otherwise, there's social norms, there's cultures, there's um, biases and things of this nature that are not always fully represented in a way that someone from outside of that community would understand. So, you know, obviously that's problematic. Um so, yeah, I mean, I guess that kind of eliminates the cops are scared to argument. And if you, you know, need more, ask me, I guess. Um, the second argument that I see a lot of, this one's kind of like a, a, a culmination of a few different ones. But, like, people saying that black-on-black crime is higher than white-on-black crime. Um, that black communities are more violent. Uh, they make the argument that cops kill white people, too. And then that eventually that'll translate into the question, why does everything have to be about race? So a few things with that. We'll start with the black on black crime. So again, to go back to our previous point about how in the beginning of this country, after the Civil War, when police departments really started to become a thing, they were over-policing black people in order to take them from being free to being slaves. Yet again, just now they're called prisoners. Okay? Um, And this... 
if you don't believe that that happened, like if you don't believe that that's how we got to the police force that we have today, you you just like the only thing I can tell you is just read a history book. Like all that it really takes to understand where we've gotten to today in the United States is just a history book. But you have to understand it has to be a history book that is written outside of this country because this country is the type that is erasing certain parts of history. And again, if you don't understand that, just read a history book from outside of the country about the United States. Um, so you have communities of black people that since the community has been built has been overly policed uh, in just every realm. So now you have a lot of poorer communities that are more a lot of black communities that are poorer than the your average white community because a lot of times the men uh throughout history who before women were allowed in the workforce the men that were the ones that were going to make the money for the families were often found in prison cells because they were arrested on you know whatever crime that the police officer wanted to say they commit so now you got communities that lost out on generations of generational wealth that could have been built because they're you know the breadwinners at the time were forced into prison cells and then past that you have things like the tulsa riots uh the bombing of black wall street things of that nature that you had um upper upper class wealthy black communities that were just destroyed by neighboring white communities that did not want black people to have that wealth. And that's another way that genera- generational wealth was taken from the black community in this country. So now you have a group of people that since they became quote-unquote free in this country has been forced to be poor, has been forced into violent situations, has been forced to live without parents without family members to watch family members be killed by police officers to watch in every you know corner uh their existence in this country just be torn from uh the the mainstream scale that makes people angry and it also gives them limited numbers of opportunities I had a conversation with my grandma recently, and this is going to be a quick side note, and then we'll get into it. I had a conversation with my grandma recently, probably about three, four months ago, where I was trying to make her understand why a lot of poor communities sell drugs. And she just did not understand. She kept saying, well, if they really need money, they ought to go out and get a job. And it's like, that it, that right there is where the disconnect in this country is. Like, another coffee sip, hold on. The disconnect in this country really stems from this assumption that everyone in this country is actually equal. So I had a buddy in high school, his name was Anthony. Um, He commonly would talk about how his name was Anthony because he wanted to be in honors classes, or his parents wanted him to be in honors classes. He originally was going to be, I can't remember what his original name was, but it was a... uh, traditional uh ugandan name because his family was from uganda but then his parents realized how many missed opportunities his father as well as his older brother had had because of their name a lot of times they wouldn't get called for job interviews 
a lot of times they wouldn't be uh, in honors classes. They'd be mixed in with other black kids that were in regents classes in order to make them feel, quote unquote, a part of a community. Um, And things like that happen at, at like every level of society. So black on black crime is a statistic because of a few things. One, because communities in which black people are commonly found, poorer communities in inner cities, are commonly filled with, you know, violence, drugs, things of that nature, because it's the culture that they have had to create. Their culture has been created for them, and they've had to use it in some way or another advantageously in order to prop themselves up. I I can't believe that I have to say this, but I'd like to say a majority of people, just people, would rather not have to sell drugs in order to put a meal on their table for their children. But that same majority of people are not all forced to do that. For example... At 13, I walked to Leetown Park and just got a job. I can't say for certain that anyone from South Rome could have done that. It's that simple. Um, so black on black crime is a statistic that's built on, you know, a community in which is, which never really properly formed in the same way that a uh, an average white community was formed because they were overly policed, they were forced into violence, they were forced into situations in which they had to uh, accept in order to survive. Also, and this one, real, this, this should be the, the assumption that's made automatically, but it never is. Black-on-black crime is never racially motivated. No one that is killed by another black person is killed because they're black. They're killed because of circumstances, but not based on the color of their skin. Whereas white-on-black crime, racially motivated crime, is committed because of the person's skin color. So you cannot compare black-on-black crime within a community where both of those people exist together at the same time to situations like Ahmed Arbery where he was running in a neighborhood and three white guys, I actually know two white guys, the father and the son, killed him for being in their neighborhood. They didn't kill him for anything other than being a black guy in their neighborhood. Whereas, you know, for example, um, just a, a random guy walking down the street, he steals from a, a, a random person on the street and then gets killed, and they're both black, and now that's an added statistic to black-on-black crime. Like, that that was not racially motivated. That's a small and narrow uh, happening. That's not a majority or a significant amount of the, the statistic. Uh, black communities are more violent. We kind of talked about that. Black communities are more violent because they've always had to be. They were forced into violence and forced into circumstances in which they had to be violent in order to survive. Uh, what about white people being killed by cops? 
this is disgusting to me because this really truly shows the the just level of misunderstanding in this country. So when we call to defund the police, when we call to abolish the police, when we call to reform the police and we call for it because of police killing black people, there are people who think that it is an equatable argument to say, well, actually, police also kill white people. And they say that in protest to the abolition of the police. Like, the police shouldn't fucking be killing anyone. Their job is not to kill people. Their job is to enforce the law. But last time I checked in this country, it's written that you are innocent until proven guilty. And nowhere does it say if you are guilty, you are therein sentenced to death. Guilt does not mean death. Crime does not mean guilty, and guilty does not mean... Sorry, I got a phone call and it cut off my recording, but what I was trying to say was that nowhere in this country's judiciary system, no one in this country's constitution, nowhere is it written that the committance of crime uh, means that you are guilty, and your guilt, therefore, means that you are to die. That That's not a thing. So anyone defending police killing anyone is a, ready for it, sociopath who literally just it wants to murder people themselves but can't, so is super glad to watch anyone of authority do it so they don't have to. Shout out to my dad who literally said that people of color should be killed because they are more violent. Gotta love it. Um... And the last question that I see very often when stuff like this pops up is like, why does everything got to be about race? Guys, what, what, why don't we just love each other, man? And like, just, you know, not even look at race. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm colorblind, bro. I'm like, I'm like a white 26 year old dude who like gets nervous in elevators when a person of color stands too close and like I definitely have never said the n-word in the comfort of my own home and like my coffee I I drink black coffee all right I I don't want to mix white with black because black people deserve to have their own separate culture um first of all you're not colorblind no one should be colorblind cut okay Let's start from the beginning. Race is a social concept. Okay, race doesn't exist. Ethnicity exists. Ethnicity is the country of origin that you are from. So, for many black people, their country of origin is, you got it, the United States of America. So, they're American. Um, Is their skin color black? Yes. Were they born in Africa? No. If they were, does it fucking mean anything? No. Um, But race is not a real thing. Race is socially constructed in order to tier certain races. That There would be no reason to create race or create this idea of race in society if not to rank these races. I mean, if one person can tell me the 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 advantage to putting race on job applications 
other than for, for discrimination, I, I genuinely want to know because there isn't one. But if you can try to come up with one, hit me up on some socials. Yeah. Um, hold on here. I had like a brain fart. Oh, and everything has to be about race, especially things like police brutality, because institutions in this country, education, police, you know, healthcare, things of this nature, religion, are all racially constructed because at the time where they were being built into society, uh, at, like racism was far more in action, I guess you'd say, physically, than it is now. For example, racism in this country is a lot of times prejudice, stereotype, written into policies and law, assumed, and things of that nature. It's violent, but not inherently based on skin color in a way that could be admitted. And what I mean by that is, you never read a newspaper article that says N-word was killed for being an N-word in 2020, but you see, you know... Uh, aggressive criminal Ahmed Arbery had a uh, uh, conviction when he was 17 years old for shoplifting. And so it's a form of justification for his death. So things like that happened because when the police force was created in this country, it was created to enforce black people. Um, So everything has to be about race because race is built into everything. Um... And if you can't, and that that's the annoying thing about this, like that, I can give you the history, I can give you the, the social environment that exists now, I can give you personal experiences of black folks and people of color within this country, and if you don't believe it, you're just not going to believe it. But if you don't understand it, I implore you to educate yourself, because it's very, very simple. Um... And the last thing I wanted to talk about, about common arguments against the Black Lives Matter movement. I saw a post about it, and it, you know, was pretty informative. Um, black opportunists. So, people like Candace Owens. Now, I hate to inform you guys of this, but I've never watched a Candace Owens video. So, I have no fucking clue what she talks about. But, based off of the few clips that I've seen on Facebook, uh, the few quotes I've seen on Facebook, and the few people who post about Candace Owens on Facebook, I can kind of come to the assumption that she is not a pro-black voice. And I caution white folks when it comes to things of this nature, because a lot of times white people have this guilt complex where they have to come out on top still. I mean, it, it literally, white guilt White guilt in and of itself is just built to dominate black bodies. Because now, for example, say I did some, say I did a racism, okay? I do a racism, I feel bad for it. So I go over to whoever I did the racism against, I apologize, I tell them that it's, you know, I just feel awful, um, and I want to do anything I can to fix it, and they're just like, you know, okay, cool, thanks for uh, apologizing, just don't do it again. And we're like, no, 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 I need to do something to make me be a good person again. Because the assumed identity of the white person 
in every context of society, is a good person, is the upstanding person, and is the better person. And that's the important thing you have to recognize because white people, white guilt, and white fragility, um, you're just using it as a tool to be the better person in that scenario. Like, if you just weren't racist, you wouldn't have to feel guilty. And you apologized and the person accepted it, so now just don't be racist. It's not like you have to bake them a cake, unless that's what they asked for, and if that's what they asked for, fucking just do it, whatever, you know, fuck off. But, like, that's just a superiority complex. So, to go back, white people need to be careful with who they associate with blackness. A lot of people find blackness in... A lot of white people find blackness associated with Martin Luther King, Barack Obama, um, Oprah, fucking Samuel L. Jackson. Like, famous black people. The, the separation between race... Well, sorry. The understanding of race as a social concept construct is inherently important to this point. So when you understand that race was created as a divide in this country, then you have to understand that before you can understand black opportunists. Because black opportunists are are people that understand that they can traverse and cross over the like line of fame and acceptance that they're allotted as a black person. Another phone call interruption, but whatever. Okay, so basically what I was trying to say was that um, black people need to be, or sorry, white people need to be careful with who they associate with blackness because black opportunists, people like Candace Owens, are just simply prevalent because they recognize by sharing a certain opinion with the the powers that be, with people who are the majority in social constructs, who hold the power in social constructs, they themselves can get a grasp of said power. So people like Candace Owens, they say things that cause you as a white person, one, to feel comforted, and two, to feel as if your opinion is valid to a black person because then you don't have to feel bad about being racist. Um, because you can go, oh, well, actually, Candace Owens thinks the same thing. But she doesn't. I mean, there's been interviews of her 10 years before she was famous where she was saying completely different shit than she's saying now. Um, and it's because that's what she thought was going to make her famous. Some people, believe it or not, don't care about racism, don't care about, like, social justice problems. They just want to make money. And that is tried and true in every realm of struggle in this country, whether it's economic, socioeconomic, uh, mental illness, things of that nature. Some people just want to make money off of it. And, like, that, that needs to be understood. Like, Candace Owens is not the voice of the black people. And if you think she is, well, then you should probably talk to actual like black people in your life and ask them because like if you want to be educated you should be educated on a level that you experience not a level you will never understand Candace Owens is never going to be like 
talking about shit that's happening in Rome, New York. So you should talk to black people from Rome, New York to get an understanding. Um, yeah, I mean, I was going to talk about, like, how to, like, explain all this to your white conservative, like, family and friends. Um, the best way that I have found explaining is historically, um, but you have to recognize at every turn, their history is not going to align with your history. Like, the history that is taught in this country, uh, at least by those who, you know, want to help the status quo, um, is one that's going to not support what you're trying to tell them. So you have to have sources. Not that even... Like, I tried to show my grandparents articles, and they were like, well, you don't know who wrote those. And it's like, all right, bitch, you just fucking watched uh, Tucker Carlson speak for 45 minutes, you fucking moron. But, yeah. So, like, I mean, the best way that you can explain these things is historically. I like to use videos because it's not me talking about it. So, like, they have this... Because, like, for example, my family doesn't respect me because I don't share their beliefs. So as soon as I start talking about my beliefs, they already aren't listening because I'm the one talking about it. If you can find videos or books or whatever from maybe names they can recognize or even just people they don't recognize and it's just a random black face, a lot of times they're going to respect whatever they're saying far more than what you're saying. Um... Yeah, so I guess that's kind of how I would go about doing it. Um, The last thing I really wanted to talk about is where I feel uh, that the Black Lives Matter movement needs to go from here. Um, I heard a good point, I believe it was on Chapo, um, where they talked about how the Black Lives Matter name kind of needs to be changed. And I've done some research into this and I'm seeing it happen. I mean, you have, you have like, Netflix, Hulu, all these companies that are doing the, like, watch these videos about black struggle and you're not racist anymore. Their, their tagline is always Black Lives Matter. That phrase, Black Lives Matter, is too easily co-opted. You have to have something that is strategic, that is powerful, and that is offensive. Um, black power was always a good one. Um, and it's going to help really push the message um the other thing that needs to happen again organization and leadership organization and leadership um and the last two would be one keep on fighting because this isn't going to change in two to three months this is going to take years and stop protesting peacefully um yeah so there's that uh, to those of you who are still listening, thank you. Um, thank you, as always, for listening. I don't know how you're listening to this. I couldn't know. Um, but I'm also available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as Anchor. Um, I have noticed that the last uploading that Apple Podcasts has done is from April 11th. And I don't know how to fix that. So maybe just stick to Spotify or Anchor. And I'm sorry to Apple Podcast users. I'll try to figure it out. Um, you can also find me on social media, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I made a TikTok, Facebook, um, 
find me on all these platforms at Annoying Question Boy. If you have any suggestions, reviews, comments, questions, whatever, go ahead and send them to me on these social media platforms. I'll try to get back to you. Uh, if you have suggestions for what to talk about, take it into consideration. Um, also, I'm looking for more people to record podcasts with me. Um, if you download Anchor, there's a way that you can do like co podcasting. So, like, you're both recording, but it's all going onto my podcast. Um, so, if anyone's interested, hit me up. We'll talk about it. Uh, and yeah, as always, it's been your boy. Go ahead and uh, talk to your white conservative uh, family and friends about why the police department actually does not serve them. Have a good day. Bye.